Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Music Survival Guide. As ever, I'm joined by, well, not as ever, because today is his birthday. Yay. I'm joined by Phil. 16 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, would it, would, it, would it break the fourth wall to say that we're recording this in December and that it's not my no, birthday? Yet? No, don't let oh, them okay. in. Don't let no, them. it's my birthday today. We're recording it on the day we release it, even though it goes live at 7am. Hey, how are you, Joe? I'm doing really good, mate. Um, uh, obviously, we are, as you alluded to, recording this before the new year. We're actually doing this before Christmas. So it's 2020. I'm, uh, I'm anticipating I will be two stone heavier by the time this podcast comes Ooh, out. That's a lot of stone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should see the amount of potatoes I can eat. It's quite wow. impressive. Imp- impressive. That's, that's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> how are you doing, mate? I'm doing really well. Um, I've had the most vicious, coldy, sinusitis-y thing that has finally disappeared, so I'm really happy. <laughs> doing great, doing great. What are we talking about today? So yeah, today we're going to be talking about the importance of practice, whether that be by yourself or in a band setting. Mm. It's a really um, divisive word, I think, actually, is practice, um, depending on the context. Um, so if you were to say to a musician, hey, how do you fancy an hour of just yourself with a metronome? Uh, I don't know if many people would jump for joy. But if you said, you know, why don't you go and have a band practice? I think that would be a very different prospect. Uh, but what is worth thinking about is they are both in many ways equally important um, for your sort of growth as a musician and your growth as a band. Um, so to kind of disregard one or to not take one seriously is not a good idea. Mm. it's that thing of uh 10,000 hours it's a word and a phrase should i say that's banded around quite a lot but there's a lot to be said for it so if you actually do put in the work it will have a knock-on effect on your ability to play and more importantly communicate ideas i think is a huge one Mm. i don't know if we're kind of slightly jumping the gun for something that should be mentioned later on but having a solid grounding in your instrument and other instruments, what should also be, uh, yes, is something that should be said, helps you translate your musical ideas quicker. We talked about in previous episodes how having recording skills helps you translate your ideas from your instrument to the speakers so you can play them to friends and other band members so they kind of have an idea of the arrangements of your song. But also if you're able to play those instruments and play them well, it helps those ideas come to fruition a lot quicker flourish flourish that's a lovely word (laughs) it is indeed it's a it's a january sort of word flourish (laughs) don't know what i mean by that um so should we start kind of at the personal level um Mm -hmm. with with um solo practice as it were with just yourself in a room um I think this is probably the thing that most musicians find hardest. I'd I'd be willing to say Um, that, you know, when you pick up your, I don't know, your guitar for the first time and you're really, you're just learning for the, you know, learning to play the guitar. um, It's really exciting and you just want to do nothing else but play guitar. Um, But when you sort of gain some competency and you gain some, you know, credibility for a better word with guitar, it can be easier to just go, well, I can, I can play guitar. I don't need to. I don't need to put time in. I don't need to get better. Um, 
And I think the risk of that is that it will breed a sort of um, laziness and apathy about the instrument within you. Um, so to kind of take it on a stage, if you are playing, you know, with your band um, and you're writing songs, uh, if you're not learning new things and getting better as your instrument all the time, then you in the band will get to a certain level you'll get to a certain point and your ability to play the songs won't get any better so you won't be able to play anything more complicated if you want to you won't be able to play anything much different if you want to and it's just worth kind of putting it in that perspective i think yeah i think to kind of summarize what you said there it's really easy to plateau Mm. like you say when you get to a certain level and I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of this. I know some amazing players who've been guilty of this in the past, and I'm sure, Phil, you have as well, um, when it comes to playing bass, is you can you can get to a certain level and you kind of think, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm done now. And you kind of assume that you don't need to get any better. I think um, plateauing is actually a really good word. So direct personal painful experience was um i picked up my bass probably about a month ago and went hang on in sort of the busyness of life and you know mixing and things like that i've not played this thing literally in six months (laughs) (laughs) which was which was a shock i was like when did i last pick this up oh it was about maybe march april (laughs) That's quite a long time. Uh, these strings are really horribly old. I should do something about this. Um, and so I've actually started playing through... There's many ways you can practice, but this is kind of an initial idea to say. I've just started playing along to some Black Sabbath um, mm. because if you if you know Black Sabbath, you'll know that their his bass lines, Geezer Butler's bass lines can fly around a bit. And I'm more of a rock bass kind of guy, but that's you know that's a bit of a workout. Um so yeah, there's there's many ways you can practice. Um, I think if we go through some, then that would be a really great uh, motivator um, because there's different things that people enjoy. But I think probably a blend of all of them um, is going to make you the most rounded. Um, so as I mentioned there, um, if you have some music you enjoy, and if you know if you've been out of practice for a while, then it's a great way back in. Is going I really like X band. Um, put on an album and essentially play along. Um, it can be quite mindless practice, but it's really helpful if you like the music, but you don't actually know how to play the songs. And then it'll give you, it'll also kind of give you a bit of a kind of mental workout as you um, work out the chords and work out the notes that they're playing. Yeah. Like you said there, I think there's something really interesting in playing songs that just get you back interested in the instrument, especially if you haven't picked it up for a long time. So this is someone who might not have picked up their, their instrument between gigs which is something you know if you are playing in uh say function bands or in your touring band it's quite easy to forget to practice your instrument between gigs and recording it's something that i've been quite guilty of my song that makes me realize i'm nowhere near of a good bass player than i thought i was is i kind of feel in really confident then i try and play along to rush's yyz (laughs) which When I was uh, like 16, 17, I used to practice religiously. I had that song in my pocket. Less so now. <laughs> yeah. With, like Phil said, with all the mixing and the producing, I just don't get the opportunity to play bass all that much. That song makes me realise that I have not rehearsed my instrument anywhere near the amount that I should have to get to that level. Yeah. And, it, you know, as we say... 
if you're going to pick up your instrument again after not playing for a while, um, going with the most fun thing, like playing along to the music you enjoy, is a really good idea. Now, you can do what I do, what I did, which was literally throw yourself back in and put on an entire album and play along to the whole thing. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. If you're getting back into it, it could be, I'm going to spend, I don't know, five or ten minutes today um, playing some guitar, whatever it is, um, playing along to a couple of tracks I enjoy, and then doing the same thing. And if you build it into a habit, then you'll be able to build in, eventually build in more time, and then you'll really notice that benefit. Yeah, it's that thing of just making it habitual and getting into the rhythm mm. of things. I think it's the same can be said for things like exercise, where you kind of just have to... It takes a few weeks to kind of get going, and then you kind of feel a bit off if you haven't rehearsed that day. So say, I know from personal experience, when I've been playing for like an hour a day, most days, and then you kind of go on holiday or something, it just feels weird to not play. It, the same way that you know runners kind of miss not running it kind of gives you a, an endorphin rush and it kind of becomes part of your habit so once you've kind of started to build that habit into your routine then the transition becomes so much easier after a few weeks mm. so i guess the the more challenging suggestion um of a way to rehearse is to get out a click um, there are, if you haven't got one, there are loads and loads and loads of free apps on uh, Android and I and iOS. Is that what you call it? Yes. I have no idea. Yeah, sure. Can tell what I'm on. Um, there's many you can get for free, and that is a great way of really locking in um, what you're playing. Uh, it is. It can be considered boring. <laughs> that is the danger of what that is. Um, but if you, especially if you're about to head to the recording studio and you want to make sure that what you're playing is really tight, then you should be able to play with a click and you should be able to play well with a click. Um, that is a, a bit of a heresy to some. Um, but frankly, in modern music, clicks are pretty much always used, I think. Yeah. I think that's not controversial. I imagine you use them all the time. There's also a great technique that I learned from a friend of mine who's now a really, really good session guitarist. And it, it's common sense, but I never thought to do it. Is every, you know, like you say, phone, whether you're on iOS or, iOS or Android, has a free tempo app or a free click app. And if you're struggling with a part, slow it down by 20 BPM for what it is and just play through it really slowly and what i do is i go okay i've got it right 10 times consecutively so then up a notch two times blah 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 and you mm. then quickly realize you're playing stuff that you didn't think was possible at a lot quicker speeds than you were an hour before yes if you're in a band where you're that you know the music being written is something of a challenge that is a perfect way of locking down those parts that you're struggling with play them slower play it until you really don't have to struggle you almost don't have to think about it and then speed it up mm -hmm. that's it's just it's just a winner every time <laughs> yeah and if you find that challenging then reward yourself you know there's there's lots of ways you could reward yourself but if there's you know some really classic song that you absolutely adore playing that's an absolute doddle that's a great reward it's a musical reward um you could go you know if i 
get this part down at the speed that it needs to be, then I can play, I don't know, Smoke on the Water, something really <laughs> fun and simple. Um, Dancing in the Moonlight. Which version? Um, Thin Lizzy. That's mine. Yeah, the proper one. The proper, the proper one. version. Oh, my Not, such um, a top loader. Remember mm. top loader? I mean, <laughs> the only experience I've had with that is I used to play in a function band when I was a teenager. Ooh. And we'd say, like, as part of the set when written down that we're playing Dancing in the Moonlight and everyone's expecting the top loader version. <laughs> <laughs> so then you start with... You just see the confused faces of whoever's booked you. Glad you're on the same page there. Yeah. So it's the Bass Players Union is, is what it is. <laughs> so another way to kind of keep yourself engaged and progress and not feel like you're plateauing is to step out of your comfort zone, not only in terms of technical ability, so making sure you're constantly pushing yourself, but also moving into different genres. Mm. So say if you do play in a metal band, kind of look at, especially if you're a bass player or a drummer, I think look at a lot of pop stuff and look at certainly R&B and disco because those genres, their foundations are based on the bass parts, especially if you look at, you know, Sheik's Bernard Edwards. Mm. Bernard Edwards? I've got that. Bernard Edwards. I've got that right. <laughs> yeah, his bass parts are, are, are incredible. Sheik wouldn't be Sheik without his bass parts. So a fundamental understanding of those doesn't necessarily mean you have to incorporate them into your tech metal band but it certainly won't Hurt. make you a worse player and it will keep you engaged yes um a great suggestion that if you've not thought about if you've not thought about this genre go with it is motown mm. motown is some incredible music and if you don't know what i mean by motown one where have you been two you will know some motown everyone knows motown at some point um, but a lot of their songs are an exercise in simplicity but a really well-crafted simplicity so everything um in a motown song serves the song and it's it's just there for the benefit of the the whole um and that is a great way of sort of thinking about your instrument maybe in you know in a genre that you're not used to but you're thinking about how what you're playing fits in with everything else yeah there's also uh another bit of advice i'd give and it's something that i use to keep myself fresh and is, is a it's also a skill that is incredibly useful in no matter what context, whether that be recording, uh, producing, writing, rehearsing with your bandmates, and that is trying to transcribe parts. So instead of, I know it's really easy to go on, like, what is it, Guitar Pro or whatever it's called, with what's got all, like, the guitar tabs and there's millions and millions of songs with all the correct versions on, but you will improve tenfold and again, keep yourself engaged if you're actually sitting and trying to work out the parts for yourself. Yes, it's 100%. Um, that's what I was doing with Black Sabbath the other week. Was I was just like, let's... I, I know some of these songs, but I don't know a lot of these songs. Uh, I know how they go, but I don't know which note is which on the bass um, for this song. So it's a really great exercise, I, I guess in humility as well, but it's also a great exercise in really working out, I mean, we're talking about stringed instruments a lot here, really working out your fretboard and uh, working out what bit is what and what, you know, when, they, when they're playing that kind of thing, where on the fretboard am I likely to go, that kind of thing. You kind of pick up on phrases, I think, and that can kind of go for, for anything, whether that be bass or guitar. I mean... It, like we mentioned before, this is kind of bass players union, so we can 
relate mostly to bass stuff is the more genres that I learn, even when I'm kind of playing rock stuff or when I've played rock stuff in the past, I know it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to be on D minor. I can apply bits of Motown and kind of steal and pastiche bass lines and other like musical motifs and bring them into whatever situation I'm currently playing in. Yes. I mean, ultimately, melding of different ideas from different genres is how new kinds of music is created. Um, like ge- genuinely inventive types of music. And if you want to be um, a genuinely inventive player, I would suggest that playing just within your favourite genre is not the way to go about it. You need to really think outside the box, but think outside the sort of genre box as well. Mm-hmm. A great way of confirming your rehearsal time by yourself as well is to is to film yourself. Ah, uh, yes. So you can either record if you've kind of got a DAW and an interface, but the the best way of doing it, and I mean, if you've got Instagram or Facebook or whatever, everyone likes posting a video of them shredding on whatever instrument it is to a good song, um, is record yourself. And you'll quickly realise if you're not on... You're, if you're not on the ball, you'll realise how far you are off and quick. Because it's all good kind of thinking you're nailing it. And then when you see a video back, you go, oh, wow, I'm behind. Or, wow, I'm really rushing. Or some of the notes I thought I transcribed really, really clash. So having that video reference. And it's also good for, you know, if you're trying to get into a routine of going, okay, how do I play this a week later? Yes. Or like two weeks later. And you can compare and contrast and see how far you've come. It's the same as a gym progress picture. It was really helpful to kind of have that initial reference to give you motivation to keep going. You really um, brought a good point out there about recording. Um, So you can, in the moment, especially when you're rehearsing with a full band, but also on your own, you can think, oh, I've nailed that part and it's brilliant. But then when you listen back, when you listen back, it can sound a bit, messy in whatever way that may be and if you are discovering that when you're in the recording studio um to bring it back to sort of a point of a couple of episodes ago then that's going to be maybe a surprise to you but probably a little bit irritating to the rest of your bandmates as you have to spend time really nailing that part if you've got that part of the process ahead of time and you've heard yourself play whatever you know whatever music it is if it's your own music or if it's um a cover of something else um then you've you've got over that bit you've heard yourself you've heard your your deficiencies and your problems but also where you're doing well um and you'll just be a kind of ahead of the curve yeah like you said there it can be it can be annoying for other people who you're rehearsing with and i think that kind of moves us nicely on to rehearsing as a band Ooh. so not only could it be annoying in a recording studio context it can also be annoying in the context of the rehearsal rooms. I think there's a misunderstanding, especially amongst some lesser experienced musicians, that a rehearsal room is not where you learn your part. It's where you go to practice it as a group and iron out any dynamics between you rather than, oh, I'm going to go and practice how I play this in the rehearsal room. It can be incredibly frustrating for the other musicians if they've learned everything and you come unprepared. As someone who's been in that context, I can assure you it is deeply annoying if you've got someone who I am not going to name, just in case they're listening, um, who just does not know that lead guitar line. 
don't know who they are. Um, and it's like, we've played this song how many times and you, you don't remember? Uh, anyway, that's not important. Um, <laughs> just a personal rant. Um, I think the rehearsal studio, yeah, is really there to make sure everyone's... Um, it's there for, well, no, it's there for several reasons. Um, it's there to make sure everyone's parts lock in together. Um, so... That applies to every instrument and every sort of voice, but it especially applies to, um, in a sort of traditional band, the bass, the drums and the guitar, like the rhythm guitar. Um, those parts need to be an absolute unit. Um, they really need to, especially in like yeah, rock bands like I work with, um, need to be an absolute unit. They need to be like really solid and really tight. Um, and it's, it's the mark of a professional band um, in many ways about how tight they are, about how well everyone plays together. Playing in the pocket, to use the uh, cheesy term. There's a small anecdote that scared me initially when it happened to me. And I think it would scare quite a few people who are listening to this is when I did some uh, professional session stuff, you often wouldn't rehearse the entire song. So you'd go in, or the entire set, you'd go in and they'd go, right, can we just run the pre-chorus to the second chorus? And then as you're halfway through, the band leader or the MD would just go, yep, that's great, it'll be fine on the night. So if you don't know the rest of the song, Screwed. you're going to get found out really, really quickly. The rehearsal space in that context is just to kind of make sure everyone's gelling together and there's an assumption that everyone knows all their parts already. Mm. That is, that would be quite scary if you <laughs> if you weren't quite ready for that. Uh, that is a good, a good warning, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to get into the time that I sight read an entire Disney musical. I turned up an hour before curtain went up as I was the last second person brought in. That sounds terrifying. It, I still have fever dreams about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it rehearsing uh, depends on the context. So if you are a sort of, in inverted commas, established band, if you all play together regularly and you you know, you know each other, um, then it, it can, you know, it can be also for kind of confirming things like the order of a set. Um, so the way to put a set together, I mean, this is a whole episode of itself, um, but sets need to kind of ebb and flow um, and you need to have different set lengths for different, you know, gig lengths. If you're the kind of the first support band, you may only have as little as 15 minutes. And if you're, you know, the lead main band, you could have an hour, an hour and a half. Um so having sets for different kind of lengths and occasions is really good. And as you write and work on new songs or you change bits, making sure that they work within the, the set where you've put them is it's just a really great use of a rehearsal period. Mm. And just tagging on to what you said there, work on your transitions between songs. There's nothing worse than... You can tell when a band hasn't worked on their transitions because they've finished their first song and maybe it's like their first few gigs... And then there's just that silence as it rings out and they're looking at each other and yeah. and someone else is talking to them might go, hi, hi, Wimbledon. And then the crowd shouts back, it's Leicester. And then yeah. <laughs> it's just a really awkward experience for everyone involved. Yeah, when the song ends and then someone has to go to the mic and say, thank you. <laughs> that has happened at a gig, was it? Um, and it's just awkward silence. Um, and then several musicians go and tune their instruments. And, you know, tune, don't get me wrong, tuning is important, but 
you've got to work out how it's going to happen. So there was another band at this gig I was at, I'm mentioning no names at all, um, <laughs> the same gig, actually, um, who had their transitions worked out. Um, they were a noisy, noisy sort of almost sludge metal band. Don't know if you know that genre. Um, right. And they had their transitions worked out. It was, it was let's, you know, play some massive guitar chords and make some just noise and then the bassist had loads of pedals to do a similar thing um and then as they were doing that they'd um you know they'd have things like looper pedals and freezer pedals and then as they did that the tune which is so simple but it's so clever um mm. and then on the sort of other end of the scale um i've seen um shine down um i don't know if you know shine down american band I'm afraid not. Oh, it's not you need to listen. To, you genuinely need to listen to Shine Down. Their transitions okay. are incredible. Um, so they <laughs> they have um, sort of various pedals on their pedal boards which are designed for transitions. Okay. Um, and then the singer will, um, you know, start chatting and say a few things, and then the 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 rest of the band will kind of layer up and build up a kind of really nice ambient thing. Um, it's just it's just really cool. I'm I'm sure there are some videos on YouTube um, of Shinedown doing it. Um, that's really cool. If you can do something like that, it's incredible and it's quite a spectacle. I'll have to go check them out. Please do. Something I want to say as well is a caveat to everything we've said about being prepared is don't be a don't be a <laughs> if someone makes a mistake during rehearsal space. You don't know what's going on in their week. They could just be having a bad day or. Let's face it, we're all human. Everyone will make a mistake. Someone will drop a drumstick. Someone will play a bum note every once in a while. Someone's voice might break halfway through. There's a difference between someone turning up, you know, hungover and not knowing the songs. <laughs> but if someone just turns up and they're generally trying their best and they've prepared and they just happen to have made a mistake, don't, don't, don't be a dick about it. Please laugh about it. Please just have a joke. Um... There's no better well, way. Just don't mention it at all. Well, they might, they might, they might be the per. It's a case of judging the room. Yeah, judge the room, judge the room. There might be a person where they take that really to heart. If you know, if you've worked together for a while and you know each other, um, feel free to joke if it's appropriate. Because there is no faster way to destroy um, the unity and confidence of a band than for band members to criticise other band members in a really kind of personal way. Mm. On that dynamic as well rehearsal rooms from my experience have also kind of doubled up as writing rooms mm. whether that be people bring stuff in kind of like it's you know demos for everyone to listen and kind of work out or whatever um so that's just one thing to keep in mind is don't have a dynamic where it feels like it's an, an autocrat like it's got to be a democracy you can't kind of just shut off people immediately if they don't want to well, if they suggest something like, oh, can we try this section? Can we try that? Don't feel like you've got to go, no, you should have tried that in your own time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> kind of have have patience and allow everyone to mm. make, allow everyone to feel like they're included. Yes. Time to um, jam and time to really experiment with songs um, is, is a great idea. Mm. And one way I think to avoid any of this uh, tension is something that, again, it's from kind of like the, the pro session world, and I think a lot of bands could, could heed from this, is have a schedule of what you're going to rehearse. So kind of go, right, well, we've got two hours. We're going to run through our set, put the set there. We've got like uh, half an hour of time to, to write or work on 
this idea. And if it's a certain idea that you've recorded, make sure everyone's heard the idea beforehand. Maybe send everyone their parts to check over a few days before the rehearsal. And then kind of go, and this section is just free time for anyone to raise any questions about, let's face it, admin, because that often gets discussed. Who's bringing what to whatever gig? Did you see the Arsenal game last night? I can't believe they tried to walk it in. All that kind of stuff. Because ultimately, you're friends, aren't you, in a band situation? So it, it may be your only opportunity to catch up. But I think having that schedule and allowing everyone to feel prepared and they're not being ambushed by what is going to be rehearsed mm. will help to really alleviate tension. And um, sort of another quick point, um, building into what we said earlier about solo practice, in exactly the same way that you would consider recording solo practice, recording your band practice is a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. That can be anything from... A multi-track setup, which I know some bands do when they're rehearsing, down to here is a phone to record what is happening. Um, it can be a great way of telling your sort of weaknesses as a band, what really needs to be worked on, what you need to spend time on, and what you don't need to spend time on, because there are some songs that you'll just have dimed in. Video is also a great way of kind of checking out stage presence. So if you've got the availability in your rehearsal room, set it up like it was a gig, so that you're like you're playing out and then you'll quickly realise areas you need to improve on, Mm. similar to recording and the audio in terms of your stage presence. You can tell. It's just the daft things. You can tell if the bass player stood 16 feet to the right too much, (laughs) which is hard to judge unless you're actually filming it and can see from the crowd's perspective. What kind of stages are you working on where 16 feet to the right is a possibility? I mean, that... <laughs> pub gigs Honestly, are small <laughs> unless you're working at a bigger level it was it was my first ever gig i think or maybe my it was definitely my first three and it was a school battle of the bands and school stages are big yes school stages are big and for some reason i can't remember why but half the band were bunched up in one side and i was about <laughs> 20 feet over to the right <laughs> and I didn't think at the time that I was stood that far over. Did you look like and a, then I saw the pictures. Did you look like a reject? Just, you did, didn't you? Yeah, it just looked like I joined last second. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, or it looked like you were dominating the stage and the rest of them were just sort of cowering in the corner. That's... I would say my stage presence at 13 was not dominating. That's <laughs> maybe the last word I would use. You surprised me, sir. It was all limbs, all limbs. <laughs> Still are. <laughs> no comment. Um, so, ultimately, what we are saying is rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Um, I'm fairly sure that's a conclusion we've come to it on a previous podcast, but we're saying it again, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Spend time by yourself. Um, go through... Um, songs that you enjoy uh, but also push yourself move into new genres try new things try new techniques things like that when you are uh, also make sure you record yourself because that's a, a great hack to quickening your your learning um when you're as a band um make sure you don't snipe at each other um where if you make mistakes make sure you are all well rehearsed for the studio uh make sure you you know you do things like work out your your sets and your timings um and give yourself time to work together on uh, new music and jams and things like that. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't really wrap that up in any other way. I felt like that was perfect. 
I'm too good. Too good at this. Expert <laughs> level podcasting. Oh, and avoid doing uh, Beauty and the Beast last minute. That would be my oh, advice. Yeah. yeah, always avoid Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> just, just full stop. Uh, uh, you can contact me at philatvortisandstudios.com. You can contact Joe at joe at nevisaudio.com. Or you can contact us both at music survivor guy podcast. No, music survivor guide at gmail.com. I remember these things, honest. You can find us on our Facebook page at Music Survivor Guide Podcast. If you just uh, Facebook that, you will find us there. Please, 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 if you can, give us a review. We love reviews um, and we don't have many right now. Sad, sad times, sad music. Um, and we would love some. If you fancy giving us a late Christmas present, please do. We will see you next time. Bye bye.